from me this morning, I have the great privilege of introducing our guest speaker who was part of our One Focus Network conference this weekend. Louis and his beautiful wife, Natasha, are here all the way from South Africa, and he is the senior pastor and founding pastor of Hatfield Christian Church. I read it 14 times. You'd think I would remember it a little bit when I got up here. But more than that, he is a friend of our house. He is a friend of Pastor Dan. He is a prophetic voice uh, in this time. He is a pastor's pastor, a heart that loves the Lord, a heart that loves the family of God. And I am so excited for what he's going to release over our congregation. So Pastor Louis, will you join me and will we give a round of applause to Pastor Louis Cox from South Africa? did that at, at the other service also. Good morning. How's Deep Creep doing today? Oh, wonderful. It is a joy and a privilege to be uh, with you today. And uh, this is what I normally do on Sundays back home also, travel between different locations. So I'm still okay. I think sometimes you'll have pastors preach up here that don't do that on a regular basis. And by now they're feeling a little tired. I'm, I'm just getting going, man. It's a it's a privilege and a real joy to be with you. Um, I actually was here, I think 2016 or 17 somewhere. And uh, so it's so great to be able to be back and to have my wonderful and beautiful wife with me this time. Last year, I was also at the conference, but she couldn't come with me. But this year she is with me. And uh, the comment that I've just kept on hearing from people as they meet her is, how did a guy like me get a beautiful wife like her? You'll get to know me. And then you'll understand. <laughs> this morning it's my privilege to share the word with you. And the title of my message is in the form of a question. A, a very simple question. The question you get asked the most in life. You, you probably get asked this question at least 10 times a day. And it's this question. How are you doing? So if I could, I would want to look each of you in the eye this morning and ask you this question. How are you doing? Now, I don't know about you, but when I get asked that question, I most of the time don't even think about what I'm answering. Amen? Most of the time. I mean, I've noticed that you enter a store here in the States, the first person that sees you, you know, how are you doing? You okay? You know, and now, what will, what will you normally say when somebody asks you that question? I'm fine. I'm, fi I'm okay. I'm fine. Because most of the time, it's a pretty insincere question that we ask. It's just sort of what we do, isn't it? And sometimes even when people ask me that question, I will select if I want to answer that question. And, and to what degree of vulnerability will I answer that question? Based on who the people are that are asking me, what's going on in my life. But I, it's not often that you actually stop and think about how do you answer that question. And that's what I would like us to do today. So I'm going to ask you the question, how are you doing? But it's not really about giving me an answer. I would, like to, I would like to come alongside you and say, how are you answering that question to yourself? 
So can you imagine in a sense that you're asking yourself, how am I doing? And how do you answer that question? Because if you think about it, it's not the easiest question in the world to answer sometimes. For such a common and simple question, it's actually quite complex to answer. Perhaps because none of us live one-dimensional lives where one answer can cover everything that's going on in my life. How many of you know that some parts of your life can be going really well while others are terrible? You know, you can be excited about one aspect of your life and be completely anxious about another aspect of your life. And so generally when people ask us that question, we select based on certain realities how I'm going to answer that question. It's, it's true of every one of us that in any given day, there are 10 different things going on that would have an impact on how we answer that question, at least 10 different things. So if I ask you, how are you doing? How are you going to answer that question? Now I want to propose today, and this is really broad strokes, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, so I know that you can go far better and do this far deeper, but I would like to create a little bit of a framework for us about thinking about how we're doing. And, and the framework's going to be based on this simple reality, which I think you'll agree with me. That at least in our lives, we live our lives on two fronts or with two different aspects. And I want to call those our internal realities and our external realities. Amen? Do you agree with me? That right now in your life, there are some things going on that is external to you. While there's other things going on that's internal. Your external realities are the things probably that if I get to see you, just observe you for a little bit, I will recognize certain things going on in your life. That's, that's your environment. That's reflected from you, but towards that which is visible for people around you. It's the things like, how's your job going? How's it going at work? How's your, how's your career? It's the things of, how's your, you know, how's your, your engagement with people around you? How are your relationships in general going? How, how's your finances? That's an external reality. You know, are you getting out of debt or are you getting further in debt? Those are external realities. How's your just, you know, life in general going with you? But then I can ask you some questions about how it's going inside of you. So I just get my notes the right way around. Okay, I'm getting there. How's it going with things inside of you? How's your mindset? How's your mental health? How's your emotional well-being? How's your resilience? How's your spiritual life? These are internal realities. And the truth is that if we look at our lives, there can be things going on externally and perhaps we'll say the external things are going well, but internally it's not going so well with me. Or sometimes the other way around. Do you recognize that in your life? That there's external and internal realities. So what I want to do today is talk about how those intersect with one another. And if I think about it like this, then generally perhaps, and the guys are going to help me, I want to, I'm going to do some drawing here for you today. So if they can put me on the screen. Then the truth would be that if I think of our internal journeys, am I okay up here? Am I connected to you? 
<laughs> they, they, somebody running around profusely now trying to figure something out, sort something out. I'm sorry to do this to you. And, uh, but if, if you think about it, they'll, they'll, we'll get there. If, yeah, there we go. So if you think about it, your internal reality it may look something like this. How many of you know that some days it's good, some days it's not so good? How many of you know that you could be feeling fantastic emotionally now, but by two o'clock this afternoon, you could be having a very different feeling? You could be feeling very resilient and, you know, and then you get, remember, oh, I've got that meeting at work tomorrow. Oh, man. It's like the weekend is too short. We, don't we do that? We're internally going through some ups and downs. Some people think that the life of a Christian should just look like that. It's always going better. You know, from glory to glory. You know, I'm better today than I was yesterday. Now, perhaps in heaven one day, but on this side of heaven, in this broken world, this dysfunctional world that we're living in, with my own stuff that I'm dealing with, it's a little bit of an up and down situation. Now, I think what we're generally hoping for, that like that little snake that I drew there, that over time, we're actually moving forward. We're getting better. But if you look at it on a day-to-day basis, it's up and down. Not only is that true internally, but that would also be true of my external reality. And so if I overlay external over the internal, then what you'll notice is that snake also does its own up and down thing, doesn't it? And so you've got these two things going at the same time in our lives where it's the internal and the external. <laughs> so right now, internally, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Externally, things are, you know, we, we, we're getting there. I, I've sprung these on these guys. It's not their fault. This is completely my fault. This is, so I'm, I'm okay. I'm gonna deal with this. But we have these, so if you'd imagine... So, so <laughs> there we go. We got it. So I'm not trying to draw, draw a DNA helix there, okay? But do you recognize that in your life? Can you see the patterns that develops there? Like, like in that section over there? It's going externally, things are going better, but internally it's going worse. And that's life. And so from that pattern, what I want to do is describe for us Four stages of life that we go through. And just for the sake of helping to make them a bit more memorable, I'm going to call them four seasons. I'm going to talk about the winter season, the spring season, summer season, fall season. And how the intersection between how it's going with us internally and externally produces at least these four different seasons in our lives. And then what I want to do is to say about what do we do in each season to maximize the opportunities in that season. I'm going to give you one key word and one key scripture for each season. So that whenever one season you're in, you can go, Lord, this is what I need to focus on. Because the core of my message today is simply this. This is a really actually very simple message. The thing I want you to go home with is that God is in every season. God is in every season. And if I get to recognize what's going on in the seasons of my life, I can maximize the opportunities that God is giving me. Even in the seasons that feel like I'm far away from God, God is in that season. God is not waiting in the great seasons and absent in the not so great seasons. He's in every season, equally present, equally at work. 
So how do I respond to him? So let's talk about the first season. The first season I want to talk about is we'll start at the bottom, is winter season. Now, in my mind, winter season, using my analogy here, looks something like this. It's the season where the external and the internal is both on the decline. Have you ever been in a season like that? Both inside of yourself, it's going hard. It's terrible. And outside of you, things are also not going so well. It's the season of hopelessness. It's the season of doubt. It's the season of anxiety. It's the season of exhaustion. It's the season where fear begins to build up because you're, going to, you're starting to look at your life and you're going, if it continues on like this, I'm going to be in trouble. Things aren't getting better. It's getting worse. Oh, do we have any saints of integrity in this building today? Or with the people online that are prepared to say, I, I, I've been through a season like that. I've been through a season where it's, it's winter. It's just not going well. If you ask me how it's going, I'm going to tell you, it's terrible. Now, I want to give you a key word for that season. The key word for that season is the word change. Something needs to change. I mean, that's pretty logical. You don't need a degree to figure that out. Something needs to change. Because if things keep going the way they are, if the trajectory of the internal and the external keeps going down, you're going to end up with nothing. Something needs to change. But change is a big word in a season like that. Because generally when you're in a season of winter, you don't have the energy to change. You don't have the emotional strength or capacity to want to change things. You, you generally feel like, I might as well give up. Have you ever been in a season where you're going, oh, well, I'm just going let to it, let it happen. There's nothing I can do about it. But I want to remind you, something has to change. The scripture that I want to give you is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, is a light unto my path. I think every Christian that has been a Christian for longer than five minutes will recognize that before things change outside of me, they need to change inside of me. How many of you know that God works from the inside out? He wants to change the world around you. He begins by changing you on the inside. So as a Christian, therefore, I know that if I'm going to bring a winter season to an end, I cannot focus on what I need to change outside of myself as much as what I change on what needs to change inside of me. Amen? Come on. Listen, I come from Africa. African people don't sit still and listen quietly. Come on. Uh, do I have any people that understands African I'm, I'm an African. I'm, I'm African to the core of my being. Just because my skin doesn't necessarily make you think that I'm African. Don't be fooled by the external. Internally, this is an African boy. Come on. You know as a Christian... Then when God says, I'm going to change something, he puts the finger on your heart and he starts going, something needs to change. 
So when I use the word change, I'm not talking about what must change outside. My marriage is not so great, so I'm going to change my spouse. Uh, I know it's complicated. But generally the answer for the marriage is not first of all doing the external change. It's first of all beginning to change. And not the spouse changing on the inside, but me changing. How many of you have had a fight with your wife and then you go complain to God about your wife and God never chooses your side. He always chooses your wife's side. He always defends her case. So I don't even talk to him when I'm upset with my wife anymore. It doesn't help. The only person would be my mom, but I've learned you don't do that. Okay, we get sidetracked. So when I talk about change, it's Lord. Something needs to change inside of me. And that is the treasure of the winter season. The treasure of the winter season is it provides the opportunity and the motivation for something to change. If you don't have a good winter, you will never have a good summer. We need these cycles in our lives. So what God's doing in the winter, it's the time of pruning. It's the time of removing the stuff. You know what pruning is? Is Pruning is getting rid of the parts of the tree that is stealing away from the energy that is needed to produce the fruit for the next season. Amen? It's too many leaves, too little fruit. We need to cut some leaves out. And that happens in, you don't do that in spring. You don't do that in summer. You do that in winter. So God comes and he says, something needs to change. And you go, I think so, Lord. I agree with you. Something needs to, I cannot carry on like this. How do you change? How does, Christian, how do, how do, how does a Christian change? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. You know how you, what you do in the winter season? You keep short accounts with God. You don't think about tomorrow, you think about today. You say, Lord, thank you that today you provide me my daily bread. You give me my, your word that is a light unto my, a lamp unto my feet. Not a lamp 10 kilometers down the road, a lamp right here. Because I need to take one step, Lord. I, I don't know how to get out of this winter, but I know what I need to do today. And I'm going to take that step. And then tomorrow I'm going to take the next step. And then tomorrow, and before I know it, I'm no longer where I used to be. I'm starting to head out the door towards the new season. Come on. But you get overwhelmed in the winter season if you think of, oh, summer. How do I get to summer? No, no, don't forget, forget about that. Just how do I do this? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. So I want to encourage you in the winter season, if you're in a winter season, take charge of your internal habits. Starting with your spiritual habits. Pray every day. If it's 10 minutes a day, it's better than one hour every second week. Have you figured that out as a Christian? Pray every day. Read your scripture every day. I know, I know. In a winter season sometimes, that's the last thing we want to do. Because we think we're in a winter season because we failed or God has failed. Somebody's failed, so our relationship is a bit strained. I think the good news is I want to tell you that you're not in a winter season necessarily because of any failure. Certainly not because God has failed. And it may not even be that you failed. It's life. It's life. So you might as well just come and sit with your father. Just sit at his feet. Just come and sit at his feet. Just read the word. Just speak to him. 
Because you know what will happen when you, start, when you start sitting with him? He starts giving you his perspective. He starts telling you the options that he's got available. You think this is a dead end. God says this is just the beginning. You think this is my grave. God says this is your place of rebirth. I've got more for you. God starts showing you. And when God starts speaking, you know, this amazing thing about God's word, God's word comes with its own energy. It's dynamic. It's powerful. The moment you receive God's word, it produces energy within you. And suddenly, emotionally, and in every way, you start feeling like, okay, I can put one foot in front of the other. But don't try and do it on your own. Just come to the Lord. And change begins to happen. And when you do well in this winter season, what comes after winter? In the southern hemisphere, spring comes after winter. Is that the same in the northern hemisphere? Praise Jesus. We have more in common than what we think. What does the spring season begin to look like? The spring season is an interesting season. It's a season where the external stuff is still not going better. It's still going downhill. It looks like nothing's changed. Same old story. Winter's just carrying on. How many of you know early spring? You start seeing the animals changing their movements and behaviors. But you go, nothing's changed. We're still in winter, but I can start seeing things are changing. Because the internal reality is beginning to change. So what, what we're experiencing in the spring season is internally things are beginning to be different. But not yet externally. So what is the key word for the spring season? I want to suggest to you, the key word for the spring season is the word trust. Change for the winter, trust for the spring. Why trust? Because this is the season where, you, where, your, where, where your trust will be tested. Because now God started speaking to you and he started telling you what to change. And now you're doing it. You're beginning to do differently, but you're not seeing the results yet. You're doing the investment, but you're not getting the withdrawal. You're not getting the yield. And so you'll be tested. Is this going to work? Lord, you know, I've done this for a while now. It doesn't seem like anything's changing. Trust God. My word will not return to me void. It will accomplish that for which I've sent it. But how many of you know it takes time? It takes faithfulness. It takes hope. And so you keep on sowing. You keep on sowing. And you have to trust. People will look at you and go, you're crazy, man. You're talking about new life. You're talking about hope. You're talking about good things to come. But you just look like the same person. You've got your bank account still empty. The business is still crawling along. But you're talking about new life. What's wrong with you? You have to trust. What is the key verse for this? Psalm 126, verse 5 to 6. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. How many of you know there's a time when you have to decide, am I going to eat my seed or am I going to plant my seed? Now, forgive me for saying this. I really don't mean this disrespectfully in any way and I may be wrong. But it's pretty hard to, to think that there are such common experiences of hunger in the land of free refills and oversized portions. I mean, it's phenomenal. Last night, Dan and Rhonda took us out. I couldn't eat 
a third of my meal. I was like, I'm, I'm consistently full now. Because, I mean, you are blessed. You have more food than what you need. I don't know in America how often you actually encounter people that are desperately hungry. I'm sure they are here. I, I'm not saying they're not. But in our context, I, I will encounter 10 hungry people before I get to the office. People that are desperately hungry. People that, that may drink a glass of water with sugar in it. And that'll be their meal for the day. So in our context, perhaps this verse has a little bit of deeper meaning. A missionary has described it like this. said he never quite understood what this meant. Sowing with tears. Until he saw a mother one day with her child, one child strapped to her back, as we do in an African context. Another one by her side, walking into a little parcel of land with a handful of seed and tears rolling down her eyes because she had to make a decision. Are my children going to eat today? Or are we going to plant this and hope for a harvest in a couple of months from now? And so when they planted that seed, it wasn't excess. That meant today we didn't eat. Because we could have ground that for flour, but now we're planting. That's what it means to sow with tears. Have you been in a season where you've sowed with tears? I'm sure you have. You've been in times where you've gone, I have nothing left to give. I'm at the end of myself. Whether that's physically, emotionally, I just cannot do this anymore. God says, trust me. Don't eat your seed. Because if you eat your seed, you'll be okay today. But tomorrow, there's no hope for you. Eat. Don't eat your seed. Keep planting. Trust God. This is a tough season. If I meet you in this season, I say, how are you doing? You'll say, it's tough. It's tough, man. It's really tough. Because I've got hope inside of me. So I'm standing up on the inside, but on the outside, I'm still crawling. And that's painful. How many of you know that's painful? It's easier to lie down on the inside and the outside. It's difficult to stand up on the inside while you're lying down on the outside. It takes faith. And so, and so but I know God is faithful. God is good. I have to keep sowing. Because guess what comes after spring? Summer, not bummer, summer. Summer. What does summer look like? Perhaps summer... Is that remarkable, wonderful, ah, sorry, season where the external, oh, what's going on with me? Okay, there we go. Where the external and the internal suddenly begins to show fruitfulness. Suddenly, the bank account is getting full. My job opportunities are looking good. I'm getting an increase at work. I'm feeling like, man, I'm energetic. My relationships are in a good place. Internally, I'm like, I'm feeling energy and life and resilience and, and it's going well and I'm, I'm spending time with God because in the, in the, in the wintertime, I developed some new habits and they've been carrying me through the time of trusting and now they're starting to bear fruit and it's flourishing and it's exciting. How many of you love the summer season? Come on. Some of us haven't been in the summer season for a while, so we'd go, it's about time, man. But we love the summer season. The summer season is the time where, where suddenly you start feeling it was all worth it. 
man alive, I'm so glad I went through the winter. I'm so glad I went through the, through the springtime because summer has come. There's a vindication in summer. See, all those people that shook their heads at you and said, are you an idiot? Why are you doing this? You're saying, look, I told you so. Summer is, like, is beautiful. Business is booming. Church is growing. People laugh at my jokes. Life is fantastic. My wife thinks I'm wonderful. It's like, wow, summer. And we love summer. But I want to tell you what the key word for, the, for summer is. I think the key word for summer is wisdom. Wisdom. Because summer is the period where you have to work the hardest and the smartest. Because summer doesn't last. Summer will come to an end. And depending on how you treat summer is how it will go with the rest of your seasons. The unique thing about summer, it is more determinative of the rest of your seasons than any of the other seasons, how you behave in summer. Summer needs wisdom. I'm going to tell you some of the dangers that may come with summer. My, my verse for summer is Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So I've been through the winter season where it was, where it was terrible. I've been through the, the, the spring season. It was tough. But now I'm in the, in the, in the, in the summer season, which is terrific. It's fantastic. But let me just give you a slight warning. Because the problem with summer is we can enjoy it so much that, that we become unwise. And we forget certain things to take care of. Let me tell you the first thing, the first danger of summer is that you can overestimate your abilities. What I mean by that is you think you're in summer purely because of what you did in winter and in, autumn, and in fall, ach, in spring. The thing you forget is, yes, your contributions were important, your faith, your hope, your actions, your habits were all important, but none of that could have produced summer if it wasn't for the grace of God. Amen? You can do all the right things, doesn't mean you will get the right results, if God is not gracious. And we think it's us. Watch people when they enter the summer. It's so easy for me to think it's me. Look, look at what I did. It's like the guy who has a business and he's been through the tough years and he's worked hard and suddenly the business takes off and it's going well and he starts walking around and he says, I told you so. And that's when the, the guy writes a book, 10 Ways to Become Rich. <laughs> that's when the pastor writes a book, 10 Ways to Grow Your Church. And, and we overestimate our contribution. We think it's me. And, and, and the problem is, that's not wisdom. That's foolishness. And that comes before the fall, the fall season which we'll talk about just now. I overestimate my abilities. The second danger is I become entitled. I think I deserve this. You see, because when I overestimate my contribution, I think I deserve this. This, you know. And now not only do I walk around with a little bit of a strut, but now I start thinking, I don't have time for these little people anymore. The people that aren't, haven't done what I've done, don't see things the way that I do, don't have the answers that I have, I'm not going to spend time with them. 
I don't need them in my life. I'm better than them. And entitlement begins to break relationships. The same people that actually helped you through this, the winter time are the people that you now look down on because some of them are still in the winter time. And you think, I'm better than them. And you begin to break relationships. The third danger is, and this is a really, really important thing to remember, that success, the success that comes in the summertime, success is addictive. I think it's the most addictive thing on this planet. It's the thing we, we, we get drawn to more than any other substance or thing is success. We want it, we love it, we crave it. And when we get it, even for a short bit, we will do everything in our power to keep it. And we think it's mine. And you can watch people when they get success. How they try and keep that. And, and this is the lie that comes. The lie tells you, your summer is your new normal. You've worked hard all your life, but you've achieved something now. And it's from here on in. It's summer till the day you die. And I'm here to preach the good news to you. The good news is winter's coming. Winter's coming back around. How many of you know that if you know winter's coming, you treat summer a little differently? Because when is the time when you put the stuff in the barns for the animals to eat in the winter time when there's nothing growing on the fields? If you don't do it in the summer, you can't do it any other time. But you see, we think summer is my new normal. I deserve it. Look how hard I worked. I overestimate my contribution. I become entitled. And now I'm successful. And I deserve this success. And I'm going to do everything I can to hold on to this success. And it becomes my, my thing that I hold on to and I fight for with everything in me. And that leads to the fourth danger, complacency. Because I think it's the new normal. I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. It will be the way it will be from here on in so I can relax. And the same disciplines that got me out of winter through spring into summer, I start cutting corners on those disciplines. I don't, keep, I don't have to pray so much anymore. Do, do you recognize that pattern in the nation of Israel? Yeah. Whenever they were in trouble, whenever they were in the winter season, they'd cry out, oh God, be merciful to us. God would send the prophet. They would go through the time of, of the winter. They would go through a time of, of spring, of reformation, of revival, of changing their behaviors, beginning to worship God. And then suddenly God leads them into summer. And guess what happens? I don't need God anymore. This is me. I've done this. So I can sustain it. I don't recognize the grace and the mercy of God. And I begin to relax. Now what will help you to not relax too much, there's space to enjoy summer. I'm not saying don't enjoy summer. Enjoy it. Enjoy this, you know, the, the fruitfulness. Celebrate. Great. But just remember, winter's coming. I don't care how spiritual you are. You will have winter seasons. Internally, externally, you will have them. I don't think it's the life of a Christian is that we escape the winters. I think the life of the Christian is we have the wisdom of God that prepares us so that when the next winter comes, it doesn't have to be as traumatic. It doesn't have to be as desperate, as difficult as the previous winter because I've learned a few things. I've prepared better in the summer and now I'm ready for the winter that's coming. 
I've got extra food in the barn because I'm not stupid. I've got wisdom. And so the next winter comes, and yes, there's pruning, yes, there's struggling, but perhaps it doesn't have to go as deep. It doesn't have to go as cold. It doesn't have to go as difficult. And so that when I come in now to the new spring and summer, I'm, I'm building. And so every year I'm actually ending up a little bit better because my trajectories are getting better. It's not these heights and... Amen? Thank you, sister. You say that again? Thank you. Appreciate it. Winter's coming. I don't think I'm not a, a person of faith. But let's be real. Faith sees this is coming. And I, I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm going to be ready. Because what comes after winter? Fall. That's a great word. We talk about autumn. I don't know what that word means. Fall is such a great word. Things fall. Leaves fall. What does fall look like? Fall is this interesting space. Where my external is still actually doing pretty well. But my internal is starting to slow down. And starting to lose momentum. It's where, you know, I'm enjoying the fruitfulness of summer. But I'm not recognizing quite yet that things are going to have to change again. And so my key word for this, word, this season is the word Humility. Humility. It's the season where you go, I'm not too good to fail. No matter how great this summer has been, I need to get ready for the next. I need to work on the next summer now already and prepare for the, for the, through this fall for the winter that's coming. I need to pay attention to the internal things. Now, in the, in the winter time, remember I said it's, it changes the key word, but it's, it's possible to change in the winter because you've got the motivation. You know things have to change. The problem is in the, in the fall season, things also need to begin to change, but you don't have the external motivation because externally things are going well. There's money in the bank. So let's enjoy it. But this is the season where the child of God begins to humble themselves and say, thank you, Lord. But show me what's next. Remember, I said in the winter season, you live on the daily grace of God. You say, Lord, give us today our daily bread. In the fall season, you start saying, Lord, speak to me about next year. Don't just talk to me about today. Talk to me about next year. Talk to me about the next thing that you want to do. Begin to show me what is the next phase. It's where the businessman says, man, we've had a really great year. Our sales have been up and everything's been wonderful. But how do we get ready for the next season? We are going to go through a bit of a dip possibly. We are going to go through a time where perhaps our product's a bit seasonal and it's not going to go so well. But how do we get ready to maximize the opportunities in the next season? Speak to us now. Begin to now. And if you have the ability in that space already to begin to learn new habits and change and do new things, guess what? Your winter's not going to be as bad and your summer is going to be better than what your previous summer was. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. What season are you in? 
I'm going to end right where I started. How are you doing? And perhaps if you, again, I want to say it's not important how you answer that question to me or to anybody else. How are you answering that question to yourself? Because you can tell me whatever you want and I have no choice but to believe you. But can you be honest with yourself? And perhaps this helps you with a little bit of a framework to sit down and say, how am I doing? I think if you can identify, and, 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 and I know this is the trick. In reality in our lives, not all of our life is in one season at one time. We can have five different seasons, oh, no, sorry, four different seasons going on at the same time. It's, it's complex, man. But if by the spirit of grace and by the wisdom of God, I can sit down and say, Lord, in terms of this area of my life, which season am I in? Then I can begin to say, is this a season of change? Is this the season of trust? Is this a season of wisdom? Is this the season of humility? How do I respond to you? Because God is in every season. Stop being in the winter and waiting to meet God in the summer. He's in every season. When you stand with me, I'm going to pray and then I'm I'm done. Jesus, thank you for every beautiful person in this room, those that are online with us. Thank you for every complex child of yours going through lives that are at some points just confusing. But thank you, Lord, that we do not breathe a breath outside of your goodness and outside of your grace. That we do not have a moment or a season where you are not there with us. Give us wisdom to discern your movings and your, and your grace. I pray for every person right now that has been for a long time in a particular season, particularly the difficult seasons. I pray right now, come Holy Spirit, just breathe life into them. I pray for those that are in the summer season. I pray for the wisdoms. Give Your word says if we ask, you will give us. I pray give them wisdom. Give them wisdom. Thank you for this church community, for New Life Church. Thank you for Deep Creek. Lord, I speak wisdom and life and grace into this community in this time and in their space. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that we can be with you in every season in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.